Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Gramps this week. This week, our guest is Descruston Scarecrow. How's everybody doing? Doing good, doing good. I'm doing all right. We were discussing right before the we started. Uh, you go by Scrooston Scarecrow. Obviously, there's some anonymity to be had here with the discussion. So we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep that as best we can. Obviously, you say, right. like you said, you don't want to you don't want to dox yourself. That's our our new age term for all of this doxing. So we want to start off with let's gonna get a little bit of a background on you. Um, what you do? What you're known for? Uh, yeah, I uh, I grow pot. <laughs> Is the the base of that whole thing. And not that kind of guy. Yeah, not uh, not hampered, not like completely. I'm completely illegal, I guess, in this state. Kind of weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the, the strangest thing is telling somebody the other day at an event was that I was like, growing pot's legal in this state as long as you have a hemp license. And like, well, you can't grow pot. I was like, you know what you're doing? You can really. I was like, the way the, the loopholes are running out, it's getting kind of really weird. Yeah, I have a couple of friends who have talked about oh you can apparently there are some workarounds with the hemp license um but i am not allowed to participate in that program anyways uh because i have a felony from a past parade you you were you were mentioning to us that before we started um you want to go into that how much you want to go into that about like why why don't we start off with when when you got started growing and and all of that kind of stuff start us off at the beginning yeah so in uh in 2002, I smoked my first pot. You know, my first joint that my friend down the street, Billy, uh, we took it from his parents, as, as young kids do. And um, I knew right away that, like, oh, I like this, you know. So um, I also didn't have much money. And I realized that, you know, like, this is a plant. I need to figure out how to grow it. So uh, I did that quite unsuccessfully for years. Um just getting a little bit better and a little bit better, you know, because back then I didn't have the internet on my phone or anything like that. So it was very hard to to learn. I didn't even know about photo periods or none of that. Um, starting out, I had to fail terribly and, uh, and walk my ass up to Barnes and Nobles and read as much as I could before walking back home and trying to get it all figured out in my closet. Yeah. I was, that was going to be my next question is where did you start growing like like everybody else in your closet right yeah in my closet with i don't probably like two gallon just like regular planter pots that you know my my mom had or what you know just get those laying around really yeah um and it i did not i mean geez it took probably like two years before i actually got a harvest and even then it was just like little wispy cracks with some stigma coming out of it like it wasn't even actual bud bud you know but i thought it was cool because because i get it it was free yeah and like you know i was seeing the good pot you know i was buying good pot stuff from the market so i knew that how good it could be if i could just get it figured out and that's pretty much uh it's just been trying to have better pot ain't nothing wrong with that you remind me of the, the old thing of you find a room you throw foil up on the walls you get whatever lights you can <laughs> whatever pots and seedling starters you can have and wherever you can grab them. And you're doing everything you can to make the electric bill look like the same from the previous month to the next. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I never worried about electric bill because I always figured, you know, as long as, as long as you're not stealing it and as long as you pay for it, they, they have an incentive to not like get you caught up yeah. at, from the electric company's point of view, at least. 
you know, because like I, I've had a friend who, who like blew up a whole house, you know, like with lights, and uh, he, I don't know, he got some like someone with some electrical skill to like tap in before the meter or whatever, oh, and crazy. it only took a couple of months, you know, for, of, of that before. That house got raided. It's not hard. So, for, it's not hard for them to figure that out. Um, not in this day and age. I, I did electrical stuff in the Navy, and I can tell you right now that they've got a meter that taps off that shows everything that's going to any house. <laughs> so the moment you're tapping in and getting stuff that isn't showing up on a meter, yet the electricity's still going up, they go somebody somewhere is doing something, and all they get, they just go by. And they can visual, visually see it. They see where somebody's put a wire. In. Yeah, it's not yeah. hard to detect at all. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never gotten in trouble for that. At least, you know, like that's not what got me rated. I got rated just to the bad decision on, on my on you know everyone's behalf, really. Yeah, yeah. I just remember. So, I remember at one point I was trying. I, I at one point tried doing this. I lie, and, and it ended up that uh first thing I was told was, hey, you know, you got to go get one of those. Was not halogen, but the the, the the lights you put over like a garage. Yeah, the metal halogen. Yeah, the halogen. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And I was informed, hey, guess what? Those things are going to run your electric bill up. And obviously going to be some heat coming out of that room. Pay attention to your electric bill because I was living outside of Colleen at the time. And apparently that was something supposedly they monitored was if you had an off-the-wall electric bill out of nowhere. Mm. So like when, when, between like summer and winter when you probably should be having the air conditioner not running and the heater not running. They go, oh, why is that guy's wow. electricity through the roof? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're that proactive about it that they're watching people's electric bill. That's insane. I mean, I mean I, we've, we've got to have better things to spend our tax dollars on, don't we? You think so? Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it, we're at a, I think we're at that like tipping point here in the state. Um, and that's, that's why I, I've decided to kind of start poking my head out a little bit more because the way I figure it, the way that I've seen in other states, with other operators in those states, um, if we don't, I'm not going to be able to have a place, you know, in that future market. Yeah. If other people like me do not at least take the opportunity to try and and help move things along, because if we leave it in the hands of legislators, then you know, money interests, then MSO. it's going to be one company running everything, and you know, it, no one who helped build and sustain the market that they're turning legal is going to be able to you know participate in it well i i and i i agree and something that goes with it though as well as long term it all it all starts to mishmash one another and people it starts to come together it'll break apart and i think like a good example now of like how market can do that is like streaming streaming services we went from having everything on cable and people going well i can go download things online and then to fight yeah. that, we started having Netflix went streaming and then Hulu and a couple others. And you pretty much went to three or four main providers and it was great. And it fragmented. And now we're back. We're back to the cable thing again. And it's slowly coming back together. And it, it, it falls. It, it goes through the cycle. But definitely, I would say like um, our operators, our current operators, they're, they're obviously they want to keep their market share. And they're going to do especially oh, say, the, the medical, yeah. the, the medical ones. They want to keep as much market share as they can, but I mean, obviously, a state as big as ours, somebody else is gonna to have to come in to just meet the demand eventually. Yeah, well, they're gonna have to, they're gonna to have to change the uh, the whole way that that licensing and that whole apparatus works. I mean, the way it's set up now, uh, 
it's it, number one dps don't need to have anything to do with it, it it's medicine what why are the the police force having control over that that's just insanity well the cost of the licensing too is, yeah it's quite I, so i feel like they've made the law not to work uh for starters Certainly. because of, of using the the language uh of having it as a prescription. I don't think that they were expecting any doctors to actually, you know, risk their licenses because that's what they're currently doing. Yeah, I know they weren't expecting as many to, that's for sure, because there's a lot more than even I figured would do that. Uh, So I know the lawmakers were saying, ah, maybe one or two join in, you know, but how many doctors are there now, Jesse? Do we have a number? I do not have a number off the top of my head. I know that. The last one I saw was well over 1,200 doctors that were signed up. Oh, wow. Well, part of something that kind of slipped out and talking to some people in the industry outside of our state about this, some other some other lawyers, is that DPS here kind of slipped up. And when we talked about gun laws and gun rights and they said, well, as far as we know, the way we've set the program up, you're not losing your gun rights if you're in the medical program in Texas. And it was like, wait, what? And they went, as far as we know, we've set our program up in a way that it's federally allowable. The only way that would ever work out is if our program falls under the actual compassionate use laws or otherwise known as right to try laws. And if we're under that, then it's like, well, then we're federally covered. And it's this weird thing of, is, this, is it mean that they can technically prescribe if we're under federal right to try? And what, what I guess another thing that really begs for us to start asking is, where's the, I wonder where the federal government's going to draw the line at with saying, well, this right to try is okay and that right to try is not. Somehow, I guess the state thinks it's a THC level, and to me, that makes no sense. Yeah, I would have to agree. Uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. I'm trying to look up and see if I lied about how many doctors there are or not. Well, it's difficult to get a, a lead on that because this last session, they made it to where they removed. It's not automatic that the, the prescribers are publicly listed. They can opt out of that. People actually have to go look to see if a prescriber is there, like where the nearest one is. You'd have this. Yeah, they've, spend they've all got day. a They've got a little search feature feature on the website now where you can put in your county and, and see what doctors are in the county. They're saying as of September 2022, last month, only 632, but I'd swear I heard a number a lot bigger than that. I mean, 600, that's still quite a bit. Um, that's still quite a few. Considering Especially the- with the telemedicine. Like, that's how I got mine was through a telemedicine point. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, man covid made that easier <laughs> everybody wanted to go to that telehealth that's the, the, i guess to me that's the one blessing and the biggest blessing in disguise about covid was telehealth becoming this prominent feature yeah so with with talking about that you said you're you're part of the, the teacup program right yes uh there so the i mean obviously i smoke pop um it, it, that i grow so i i don't necessarily have to be uh a part of the program but I feel like it's important um, because the only way that we're going to be able to bring the cost down is by getting, making it to where they can make money off of sales and off of like possibly changing to where you can have actual dispensaries be able to hold actual medicine overnight. Um, And if we do not have the patient base for that, they are not going to do it. Um, Yeah, because right now they're making all of the money off of the license because people don't understand after you know the first was it like two or three years by that point you've already spent over five hundred thousand dollars in licensing and that's with having to get the actual facility 
up to code before ever actually getting the license, which is also another ridiculous hurdle. Um, like, how do you get an investor with that? Hey, we don't know if we have the license, but I need $300,000. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's way more insane than that, way more than spent. Uh, we got to go into a sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective. So, yet again, like I said, time for a sponsor break here at Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host this week, Gramps. Our our guest this week is Scrooston Scarecrow. We'll be right back after our sponsor messages. Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas, a full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, the official podcast of Texas Cannabis Collective. Distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams, and Gramps. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined this week by co-host Gramps. This episode, our guest is Scrooston Scarecrow. We were talking about the ridiculous amount of fees you have to pay to get a license to do a medical dispensary. And if I remember correctly, you pay like 400 something thousand dollars up front the initial year. Um, every year afterwards is another 300 something thousand dollars. And you had to prove you have, I think it's like, what, like a million dollars in liquid assets, Gramps? Something like that. It's a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, amount uh, in liquid assets that's required. Uh, it's just insane. Uh, it's the only way I know to put it. It's just insane. And and those are some of the major things that we need to get changed. And and you're 100% right, Scruston, with the, the idea that the more people we get involved, the more doctors that sign up. Uh, the more patients that are, are signed up and actively a member, even if you're not, the meds are expensive. Let's be honest. If you have to pay all those fees, the meds are expensive. So uh, we all know majority of the patients that are on the program are probably supplementing their meds in other ways. Uh, let's be honest, right? So, but still, if you can get on there, 
Uh, I'm one who's fixing to sign up because I have a, an existing condition, neuropathy, uh, peripheral neuropathy. I do qualify, so I'm going to sign up just before the session here, just because there's one more on the rolls. Yes, the, and I don't want people to get um, like the the medication works. Um, it works very well. Yeah. Uh, license anybody the first the first two years they didn't license anybody the legislature actually had to come back and say you must license three dispensaries and you must do it by this date or it wouldn't even have that. three dispensaries for the entire state is yeah. which people in other states i guess probably don't quite comprehend how large texas actually is well it, it, not just the size and space and mileage but Population-wise, you know, 30 million people in Texas. Well, when we put the plan in place, as you said, they didn't want people on it. We had one thing that qualified, and it was you had to have intractable epilepsy, and they defined it as you what you had to go to like two to three different doctors. They had to say that you tried almost every medication imaginable, and then from there they could put you on this 0.5 percent THC by volume. What was it? And it, I think what was it? Even even the amount of CBD it was like you had to have what a one to one at the time. I I think so. Like yeah. it was very limited. Pretty much, I think there was like what thirty people, Grant, that were in in the program. There there wasn't very many. Yeah. That so so one of those things, it wasn't even why even have three at that point. Which you know was a, a success in their eyes because that's what they shot for. We obviously need more. Like you said, thir- three thirty people versus thirty million. You obviously when you get to be thirty million and even half of them or a quarter of them could have access to me- medical, then yeah, the number of dispensaries becomes ridiculously low. Yeah, and I say thirty million. You know, the rate they're moving in, it may be thirty-one million already. Yeah, well, I, I think people also overlook the in their attempt to make it a non-workable program by writing in that you had to have a prescription that allowed, you know, that allows a lot of leeway with people and testing um, in their everyday life, which I, I don't think that people quite uh, take into account whenever, because I, I get into arguments quite a bit um, online with a bunch of different people who don't, who don't understand the program whatsoever, um, who for some reason think that it's a flower program. Or, yeah. or something like that. Um, and they, they don't take into account, yes, it may be expensive, but for some people, and I, I would assume quite a bit, it allows protection from the law, from certain agencies who might be trying to take things from you. Um, because you have an actual prescription from yep. a doctor, yep. not a recommendation. That is the biggest thing, especially this last session we added in, you know, like family court side. Civil law, we put in that if you if your child is prescribed this, that cannot be the reason that DFPS comes and pulls your kid out of the home and takes them away from the parents. That if the parents are using, it doesn't even have to be teacup. If they're using, they now have to prove the parents' use is actually causing harm to the child. Ooh. 
I did not know that uh, last part. I know um, the last push that y'all, I've actually interacted with you quite a bit, Jesse, on Facebook under a different name, uh, which I can like send you a message afterwards, but uh, with you and David Bass um, and uh, quite a bit about, you know, hey, are trying to check in on, on patient protection that are being pushed. Like, so they would be written into law and they would have to be, you know, followed by agents instead of up to them whether or not they want. Something, speaking of that, um, something, a discussion that's come up this year that I tried investigating into is that we as a state don't have a law in place that says that, say, like you go to court and they want to drug test you while you're either wait, awaiting trial or during trial or you're on probation, parole. Um, we as a state don't have a law that says, oh, yeah, you're covered if you have a prescription, because usually that's a, that's a federal item. The federal government has said, hey, your doctor has prescribed you Ritalin, then obviously you're going to pop for cocaine in your drug test. But because it's been prescribed and it's scheduled such and such, you're covered. Despite, and then this is where it gets tricky, talking about like right to try laws. If we're under a right to try law, it's like, shouldn't we be covered under a prescription? But there's been cases here in Texas where people have gone to court and the probation officers won in court and went, nope, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to have them pop on this. I don't care if they're in the program. And it's like, well, where's the coverage for that? And there is none. There's none for anything. In this state, technically, a judge could go, you know, I don't feel comfortable with you being on Ritalin um, and I don't feel comfortable with you being on Adderall. Doctor needs to find a non-stimulant for your issue. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think the amount that government officials can um, can control your life when you are under community supervision or whatever, um, in aspects that they have absolutely zero base in, like medical things or whatever. Um, they, they, it's have quite much, they have too much, in my opinion. Even if if you're not on probation or or parole or something in my opinion they got their nose in our business way too much period the thing i've and said about that scenario it's even tenfold more you're right but the thing i've said about this it's come up because of a different topic it's been i'm not going to go into the abortion debate thing but it, but to me it's come up and it's the same analogy here is that if the state ever says well it's supposed to be up to your doctor and then you have to go to court and a judge gets to decide otherwise it never was up to your doctor to begin with if your doctor says, hey, you need this, and the judge goes, well, I don't think so, and the judge doesn't have a medical degree, even though the state has went, hey, you know, doctors get to make the medical decisions, and judges need to put that in the factor, if the judge can go, no, I don't care. Your doctor never really had the decision. The state did. Yeah, yeah kind of not. You, you were, we can, were I, can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Shoot. What is the future of the market that you would like? I'll let Gramps <laughs> take that one first. I, I've got to. I got my, a hot take. My my thought process for what the market should be, not only in Texas but nationwide, should be be completely descheduled at the federal level and at all states. And there should be no limitations to possession. There should be no limitations to home grow. If you want to grow it like you want to grow tomatoes or green beans or carrots in your backyard, have at it, folks. That's the way it ought to be. My thing is, I I love that. I just tell people, I go, if you want that, stop. You're it's it's something people don't like to say. It's like you gotta stop calling it medicine. And even though you want to use it as such, when you start calling it that, the state and the government gets really weird and wonky about it because, well, we've had a hundred something years of doctors being trained that medicine means X, Y, and Z. And if it doesn't mean X, Y, and Z, it's not medicine. Um, but I totally believe what Grams was saying. I mean, I've even talked to police officers about it who are in favor of legalization, total in favor of it. And their thing is you need to treat it like it's tomatoes, like any other vegetable, put it on the shelf. 
at, at, at worst, possibly you treat it like it's alcohol, regulate yeah, it as course. such, put it down as such, go from there, and probably the step in between that, and this is where I, I sit at right now, and I think it's the most feasible is to run a medical program the way Oklahoma has, and that's doctor says, hey, you need this, and you get it. I Don't think worry. it will help you. The, the, I don't know if you've seen that Key and Peel sketch where they, um, the guy's trying to get his medical marijuana and he's just trying to dance around. And the doctor's like, well, do you have this problem? Are, are you in pain? And the guy's like, I got AIDS. I got, I got this. <laughs> and the doctor finally just slaps the living snot out of him. and goes, does that hurt? Well, yeah. And he goes, here, here's your, here's your marijuana prescription. <laughs> yeah, it ought to be pretty simple, cut and dry, in my opinion, uh, as it was before Prohibition ever got a hold of it in the first place. I get where there's people that have concerns about going beyond the medical program with what we've seen here in the U.S. And it's that everywhere we had a medical program first, and then it went into legalization, the quality of the marijuana went down. And the patients wound up losing out on it because they didn't have the quality they needed out of it. Well, that goes back to the lack of, of proper regulation. They try to just tax the shit out of it and call that regulation. That's what I've seen, you know. Well, they, they set up a mandated middleman, mm-hmm. um, which if, if I'm grown on my farm, and, you know, because of the law, one day I'm able to go into the back of the dispensary with a couple of pounds. They get the product, move it on to the patient. I walk away with my money. And then the very next day, because the laws take effect, I now have to have my product bought by a distribution center that hopefully gets it into the hands of dispensaries before it starts going bad. Because we're not, we're not dealing with liquor or something like that that holds pretty much forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if they have their own grow because they're a vertically integrated company, my stuff is probably never going to see the shelves for at least four or five months. Yeah. And you, you make a point there that people do this. And I remember, I remember watching a long time ago about when California was doing it the, the way you talked about starting off with, where they had these people who did these grows. One of the things they were looking for was like spider mites and they look for mold go through with like a little jeweler's glass and they're looking at it really careful and they, they do a lab test on it but like people don't realize that if you even though you put it in a bag and put it away it can still grow mold it can still get bugs that get into it and cause problems and wreak havoc and especially the longer and longer it sits so yeah if you have a product that sits there for five months obviously you pull it out and you're like this doesn't smell good there's there's something wrong with it and people can't ingest that they're going to go to try to smoke and it's going to fuck their lungs up if i only knew about mold when i was a kid because <laughs> i can promise you the my plug that's all he had was moldy weed <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a very the very touchy thing um growing quality product so we have got to go into our next sponsor break here at the lone star collective podcast i'm your host jesse williams I'm joined this week by co-host Chris Gramps Rizzolia. This week's guest is the Scrooston Scarecrow. We'll be right back after our sponsor messages. Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. 
Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas, a full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, the official podcast of Texas Cannabis Collective. Distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Gramps. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Gramps this week. This week's guest is the Scrooston Scarecrow. About ridiculous moldy weed. Ain't that the great thing to be having on your mind is listening to a weed podcast? So you one of those facts of life. Man, now I got that song stuck in my head. I'm gonna get you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I need is 80s television shows theme songs stuck in my head. You're right. welcome. I ain't gonna die laughing from that the rest of the night. So, Scarecrow, you we, we were talking a little bit. You mentioned a little bit earlier, and we talked a little bit before the show about um, you went through a raid. And I am I'm not gonna lie. I'm a big fan of learning from others' mistakes. And anything to make it more <laughs> difficult for the cops. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's uh, causing a ruckus, I'll say. Uh, I don't want to say exactly what happened because that kind of narrows down, uh, which had happened before. Um, but the constable who came out was real cool about it and stuff. Um, he told us, you know, hey, y'all just keep it down. Uh, your neighbor goes to work at night, so sleeps during the day. Just chill out. Um, and my roommate didn't, you know, didn't think about that. A couple months later, and our neighbor just kind of had enough with us. Uh, so, yeah, he called the cops, you know, told them, oh, they're drug trafficking and shit like that. Um, yeah. So they showed up, you know, the whole whole nine with the guns and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I denied them entry, and because I met them out on the porch trying to, like, no, nah, you're going to, you're going to at least have to wait here, no warrant. And then uh, they heard my dogs and, you know, they told me, hey, I'll, you know, I will get this warrant. And when we do and we come in there, I really hope that, you know, your dogs don't don't scare me too much because, you know, they might they might end up getting shot. Um, and me being, you know, a sensitive fuck, I, I, you know, like they let me go put my dogs in the cage and like promise that they wouldn't kill them. So I let them in after that. And um, I had some people over, um, and you know they sort of splitting us up and all that. Um, my friends were pretty solid, and uh, I told the cops like, "Oh, this shit's mine." 
everything in here is mine. So they ended up letting them go, luckily. And uh, yeah, I mean, search, search my house and shit. Uh, just found a large quantity of, of, of pot and hash. And uh, yeah, luckily my, you know, my grow was like DC. Like I heard I decommissioned my grow like a month before that because uh, I was moving it. And uh, which honestly, it doesn't really matter because, you know, I got a first degree felony. It's not like they, they weren't going to give me a capital offense for growing weed, you know? So, um, which actually is something that I don't think people in this state understand. We don't actually have laws against cultivation. Um, what happens is, is, you know, in that cultivation, that is possession of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is often why if I find out that you're growing, they will wait if they can to bust you until like right before harvest or right after. So it's as heavy as possible, even though it's mostly water, but you know, I don't care about that. Which, which strange. Now you, you say that and I didn't realize it with our hemp law going in place. They now do have a method to go after you under cultivation because they could go after you and say you were growing hemp without a license because up until that starts to flower and the THC comes out, it's all legally hemp now, which I have thought about and talked about. <laughs> I, I talked about with a Texas hemp like organization, like, hey, what's the what's the charge for illegal, you know, growing hemp without a license? Because either way, it's not like those dudes don't pop hot at a certain point, you know. Like so this yeah. is a plant, and I don't think that the lawmakers understand that you can't just flip a switch and make it stay under a certain amount of THC. Sometimes yeah. that just happens. Yeah. Um. So it I, it makes me wonder how messy things could get in a case. If you were to try and just say, "Hey, I'm an unlicensed hemp grower," and if it's at a certain point where you have enough resin content to, you know, pop off, just saying, "Oh, well, I guess that's, you know, I guess that's hot hemp." I don't know what to tell you. You know, like obviously you're gonna get arrested, you can go to jail, shit. But how will that play out in court, and what president would it set afterwards? You know, what did they tell you? <laughs> That's what I want to know. What did they tell you about that? Oh, no one has any answers. <laughs> you know, like no one's dumb enough to try this at this point. We've seen no, the inverse. Someone's got to do it. And we've seen all this listening. And we've seen the inverse of it. We had the guys on uh, the Sky and Hobbs uh, out in Navarro County that they had their licenses. They had everything in order. And the sheriffs came out with like, no, you're growing pot and got them for, for having pot. Yeah. It took a year for them to finally drop it because they're like, "Well, we, nobody told us. We didn't know." Yeah. They were supposed to keep up on current law. Isn't that what law enforcement's supposed to do? Isn't you, that you their think. job? Law <laughs> enforcement. Isn't that part of that? Knowing the law. <laughs> Just saying. Qualified immunity, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other subject. We don't even want to go down Dude, that cop, road. The cops night. these days act like the villain from Lethal Weapon 2. They're I got diplomatic immunity. Pretty much what they're doing now. <laughs> Moment of silence mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> Is there anything so, you want to... uh, I was going to ask you, you your your uh, Instagram is, is about seeds. So do you, do you provide seeds? to people or, or is that something you're starting to do tell us a little about that uh well you know like at, at a certain point um so the way that i grow i like sifting as large of populations as i can to be able to to truly find like a real keeper the actual unique one out of you know the hundred instead of i i see some people 
say, oh, yeah, this is my keeper cut. They only, you know, pop three feminized seeds, you know, so you only have three individuals to look through. Um, and just in, in doing that, I guess I kind of, I got really interested with how things um, pass, like how traits pass from parents to progeny and the weird interactions that happen. Um, so I, I mean, I, I only do this for myself, really, because um, I like good pot, and I do want other people to have, you know, better pot. So if right now I'm, I'm kind of like part of a seed club, I guess, okay. where we're just a couple right. of dudes, you know, who all have the same passion in doing this. Sure. Uh, just working together to be able to look at more plants, really. Uh, to be able to make stuff and actually like move projects along. That, that explains it. Without phone garden. That, that explains it perfectly. I just wanted to kind of clarify a little there because, you know, people look and look you up on your Instagram and whatnot and see that and think, hmm, I wonder, and then start bugging the crap out of you. So now clarify, oh, no, maybe you won't have that problem. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's, so I, I don't plan on really like because it's going to happen here, right? They lost. There's no coming back. Oh no. Like no, we're gonna no, end no, up having back. Pop. Yeah. Um but like I don't really want to be an operator in that future market. Yeah. You know, like no, at least not in any like real capacity. Um but what I would like to do is help the other operators here. Because I feel like our our climate what 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 people on the on the on the larger scale are not quite grasping yet is that this is an agricultural product, right? Yeah. Everybody wants, you know, these certain cuts. Oh, I need that flower. Oh, I need that flower. But what they should be doing is figuring out what people like about that cut, like what flavor they're looking for whenever they're like, oh, I want this kind of pot specifically. They need to find that flavor and something that works for their region. Because at some point, when we get far enough down the line, this going to be treated like an agricultural product. The, the majority of the market is going to be mixed like greenhouse, uh, just because that it's not cost effective. Like you see businesses going down right now all over the country in these legal states because it, there's not a risk anymore. They're not, you know, hiding from cops and robbers all the goddamn time. They're not going to jail and shit like that. Not At least not the way they used to be. Um, so the prices drop. They're able to do a whole acre or blow out, you know, 20,000 lights in one warehouse, <laughs> like crazy shit, you know, that you do, even if you had the balls to do, you couldn't do that here, you know, like you, at least not for long. Um, and that's going to drive the price down and you're going to, there will still be like the niche market for very, very high quality indoor pot. That's always going to be there, sure. but you can get, I think better pot in a in a mix like greenhouse um just because no matter what light you use it's never going to be the sun you're never going to get you know those nuance uh those nuances in the final product from your environment from your soil from the area that you are in imparting you know the quote-unquote terroir on, onto a, that product um so i want to be able to make things for that future market the very so that people in our area will be able to grow you know, long flowering varieties because we can take shit to December most years. And you can't do that in the majority of the country. So when it is able to be moved across state lines, I think that is where, you know, we will have an edge 
on the market. If everyone's growing, I don't know, just name whatever random kissing cousin cookies bullshit is out there. If everyone's growing that, we're all going to be cropping at the same time. Where the market's just going to be flooded. It's not going to be working. But if there are Texas farmers who are, you know, if people know, oh shit, we can get those those special, unique things that you know people in Washington and you know Northern California for the most part, just anywhere above a certain point in the United States, they just can't grow because their season is not long enough to support it. And that's that's the type of stuff that I'm working on. Because um, I just want to be able to, you know, I, I make my money elsewhere. I just want to be able to provide tools for our region to be able to succeed and like have a place at the table because I think we deserve it. Awesome. Well, it is getting to be that point in time where we wrap up our show here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. We we thank you for you for you joining us, giving us your time, cruising the scarecrow really been appreciated it's a very interesting conversation we've had here just insight about the other side of the market we normally don't hear about we really appreciate you joined us this week gramps you got anything gramps you got any final thoughts you want to put out i was just gonna say you know you you talk about more and more people getting involved have you got any last minute advice for people who like yourself maybe and how they can do what you're doing and get involved pushing this subject forward on the legal aspect, is that what? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, the telehealth appointments, it doesn't matter where you are, you can get them. Um, the program does, uh, I think that there is, you know, delivery, and at least uh, Texas OG does delivery. Um, but there's also like pop up spots and kind of like a dispensary where you can go and pick up your medicine in your city. Um, I don't know, people just need to start, you know, it's okay. You know, we're all adults. We enjoy this thing. We need to start kind of poking our you know, within reason to the way we're at, but we need to start poking our heads out a little Absolutely. Alrighty. Appreciate you giving your, your feedback and your input on this. Been I love an interview. That's going to do it for this week here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined this week by co-host Gramps. This week, our guest was the Scrooston Scarecrow. We had an interesting conversation about the cut market, the legal market, the illegal market, future of Texas, and having the proper genetics and growth to have here. Thank you, everybody, for their time. We hope that if you're watching the YouTube version of this, you give us a like and a subscribe. Oh, yeah, other people can get this in their feed and they can get news and updates. Hope everybody has a great week and enjoy yourselves. Be safe.